This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. First Wednesday of a new year, I'm glad to see you make it. If you need a Bible, get your hand up real high and our ushers would present you with the Word of God. Once you got a Bible, go to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, as you're getting a Bible and turning there, this will be on our tithes and offerings. Just a reminder that uh, the rate goes up for the Exo Marriage Conference on the 10th. And I invite you to come to that. It is one of the highlights of the year. And so if you're married, be sure and look there. If you need more info, go right out there. Also remember, ladies, on Friday the 13th, just to keep you guys out of trouble, there's going to be a ladies meeting here. So be sure and come to that. I'm just kidding, okay? That's Friday the 13th, and then you can sign up for the partnership. All right, we are in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Now, I'm going to read a very strange verse pertaining to tithes and offerings. But when you get to the book of Hebrews and the chapter 11, some will reference it as the Faith Hall of Fame or the Hall of Fame. Now, if you've ever going to be in a Hall of Fame, this is one you'd want to be in, but Hebrews 11 is all about the the champions of the Old Testament. And if you start in Hebrews 11, you'll see these two words over and over and over. And those two words are by faith. By faith. Now I'm going to give you a quick definition of faith. And is faith is acting like God is telling you the truth. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth, okay? So we start here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. This is the only verse I'm going to read. And we, we jump in it here and it says, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. And you may say, what in the world does that have to do with, with giving? Well, just listen real close here. So the only way the walls of Jericho fell down was number one, by faith. They had to believe God that God would do what he said. But in obedience to to show that we obey God, that we believe what God says, they circled the city seven times. Now, if you're like me, I believe you would look and say, that's really strange. That, that's really peculiar. That they would actually circle a city seven times and then the walls would fall down. But it's also very strange and peculiar when the scriptures say that if we would honor God with the first fruits of all our increase and we would honor him with that first 10%, and God would bless the other 90%. Now, when I read those things, it, it, it's strange. But the only way, according to Malachi 3, that God opens the windows of heaven is I have to be obedient to the word of God, and I have to step out and I obey him. And so just it was by faith that the Israelites circled the city seven times, It's going to be by faith that you honor God with that 10%. And I'm going to tell you, once you start doing it, you see the word of God is is the truth. So again, remember faith. Now, you're going to hear me say this several times again tonight. 
Faith is acting like God is telling us the truth. Same in the area of tithing. So when I begin to get a hold of this, and I'm, I'm starting hard here early in 2023. And man, we need to jump on board in that area, okay? We really need to get after that. And another thing I'm going to petition you on tonight is we really need people to step back up to serving our children's ministries right now. I mean, they have not had enough uh, servants. I'm not calling them volunteers because you're not a volunteer. You're a servant of the most high. And so, man, I, I don't beg you. I come real close to begging you, but I won't beg you. But we need you, okay? All right, let's pray. Father God, we, we love you tonight. We honor you tonight. And Lord, we thank you that not only can we stand on your word, but we act on your word in obedience to what you tell us to do. And we thank you, Father God, that all your promises are moved by our obedience. And so, Lord, I pray a fresh grace on every one of us in this area right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. Turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, and as you're turning there, you know, that, that last song we sang, we talked about miracles. You know, I don't want to just sing about miracles. I, I still believe he's the God of miracles. And so I'm telling you this right now, man, begin to get your faith out there. Begin to believe God that he is the God of miracles and Let's just watch, watch what he's going to do in 2023. So we start here in Hebrew, or not Hebrews, Romans chapter 10. And I'm going to start in verse 6. I'm going to set the table for you real quick. This passage is about salvation. It connects the dots for me and you how to be born again. But also, I believe this passage of scripture, it'll put something in your heart where you can realize God's word is true, even in the area of salvation. And I pray that this puts you to ease. Verse number six, but the righteousness of faith or the righteousness that comes from acting on faith it speaks in this way. Hmm. So was he saying faith has a language? I believe he was. He goes on to say, do not say in your heart. Now, when he says this, where he's going with this, and I'm telling you, this is very interesting. It, it, you have to dissect this to see all this. But he's telling us here, it's not difficult and it's not complicated. It doesn't demand human merit or human effort. Salvation doesn't. So we keep reading. And after he says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend to heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Now, when he says this, it's like he's asking us this question, who will go to heaven? But then he jumps to another question in verse 7 and he says, Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. So when I begin to look at this, I said, Lord, you got to help me. Help me in, in understanding this, but even help me more so in teaching. And so 
what this got over to when he talks about heaven and he talks about the grave. We all want some form of a guarantee or we all want some form of security in our lives beyond the grave. In other words, I want to go through this life and I want, I want to have this security in my heart that when I die and I leave this earth, I, I know precisely where I'm going to go. Is that possible? I believe it is. And so the, the reason he's talking about this is because someone has already come from heaven and that was Jesus. And someone's already come out of the grave and that was Jesus. So we keep reading here a little deeper, verse eight. But what does it say, question mark? The word is near you in your mouth and your heart. The message of the word of God has got to get in your mouth and your heart. But it is accessible and it is available to every human being. Now I don't care how bad you think you've been in your life. It's still available and accessible to you and me. I don't care how much of a mess you've made in your life. It's still accessible and available to you and me. Verse 9, that if you, now you got to look at that right there, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Wow. Now here's the, here's the assurance, here's the guarantee you will be saved. Is that not what the Bible said? Now remember, faith is acting like God's telling the truth. How many of us believe right here God's telling the truth? I believe this. I don't have a problem with that anymore. Where I realize based on this verse right here, verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. The word believe there means to trust in, to have faith in, to be fully convinced, to acknowledge, to rely on. And so he says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now if you think about this, he says this in verse 9 and verse 10. I believe he's really wanting us to get that on our heart. So when we see the word confession there, it means a binding public declaration. So I begin to look on this word confess. Now the word confess, it's not something that you think. It's something that you say. But I found another definition for the word confess that, man, I mean, it originated in my heart. It jumped in my heart. It means to agree. It literally means to agree. So when I confess the Lord Jesus out of my mouth, I'm saying, I, I agree with what the word of God says. So when we look at all this, to me, the best way to describe chapter or verse 9 and 10 for me and you is the ABC. The A part is, 
I accept him as Lord. The B part is I believe he died for my sins and he rose from the grave. And the C part is I confess that I'm a sinner. Now what's interesting that goes through all this after verses 9 and 10. The same way that you and me get born again. We believe with the heart and we confess or we agree with the mouth. Is the exact same way. That all of God's promises continue in our lives. It's how I've got to learn to, to believe God in these areas. I get to a place where I believe with my heart and I speak and I confess with my mouth. So again, agreeing. Now let me ask you right now. Is there areas in your life that are you are confessing or agreeing with the word of God? Or let me put it another way. Is there areas in your life right now that you need to be confessing and agreeing with the word of God? I believe every one of us are there right now. We're starting this year. I mean, we need to begin to speak and confess the word day by day. And so again, the word confession means agreement. But also, another word is we affirm, an affirmation. The word affirmation is I am affirming something. So I see the word Affirm, and you know what it means? To agree. To agree. So what the Bible is telling us, man, just get in agreement with what God's word says. In every area, not just salvation. Turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Now, I'm going to tell you, we're going to have fun here in this with, with the word of God. That the word of God is going to teach us some great things on these areas tonight. Mark chapter 11, verse 11. And Jesus went into Jerusalem. And when he gets to Jerusalem, where does he go? He goes into the temple. And he goes into the temple. So when he had looked around at all those things, as the hour was late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now, I'm looking at this, and, and he goes to Jerusalem, then he goes to the temple, but it says right here that when he goes in there, he looked around at all things. Jesus goes in the temple, and he's just checking things out. But it's interesting, he doesn't spend the night in Jerusalem. He says, let's go on out to Bethany. So that's where they head, verse 12. Now the next day when they'd come out from Bethany, they're on their way back to Jerusalem. It says he was hungry. Jesus was hungry. Now I don't believe the Bible just throws that in there for the fun of it. Jesus was hungry. You know why I believe the Bible put that in there? It shows me and you that Jesus was fully man. When Jesus was on the earth, Jesus had an appetite. I mean, you know, the Proverbs say the quickest way to a man's heart's through his stomach. That's not what the Proverbs say, okay? I'm just kidding. That's true, though. So Jesus is hungry. Verse 13, and seen from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. So Jesus is from a far distance and he sees this fig tree. 
and the fig tree has leaves all over it. And so you know what Jesus is thinking? There's breakfast. There's breakfast right there. When I was in, uh, not in Jerusalem, when I was in Israel, I saw a fig tree in full bloom. I saw what it looked like. And when I saw that, I realized, I realized this now. He knew from afar off. He knew exactly what there was. And so from a distance, I saw that fig tree and I said to the guy, I said, what is that? He said, it's a fig tree. So Jesus knew. So he goes toward it expecting to receive something. And when he had came to it to the fig tree, he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season of figs. So he finds none. He finds nothing. He finds zero. But when you look at this, the presence of the leaves was the indication that there should have been fruit on it. So that's what is said about it. When there's leaves on it, normally there's fruit. Now there's a teaching in this right here. The fig tree looked promising, but it didn't bear any fruit. I'm going to highlight this again here in just a minute. So Jesus sees all that. Verse 14, in response, now watch this. In response to it not having any figs on it, Jesus said to it. Jesus spoke to it. So what did he speak? Jesus speaks to the fig tree. Now again, the fig tree showed lives of, of uh, it, it showed the leaves so it had life and productivity. Yet it was barren. It produced no fruit. The analogy on a lot of this goes back to me and you. There's potential. But there's no productivity. In my life, do I, do I bear fruit? The Bible says you'll be known by your fruit. And, and oftentimes, outwardly, we look spiritual, we act spiritual, we even talk spiritual. But yet the spiritual vitality on the inside of me doesn't exist. And so Jesus is right here. He's telling them stuff. That it's the things on the inside that really matter. So in response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. This is interesting to me when he says this, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard him. I believe that was intentional. And the interesting thing about the Bible is this. It tells us stuff that Jesus said and his disciples said. But we never get a full glimpse of what, what they were showing about what he said. It, it never tells us about their reaction. So they're walking with Jesus and they hear Jesus curse this fig tree and said, You'll wither and die. You'll never have fruit again. And so I wonder when they say this, if they don't look at each other, shrug a little, roll their eyes a little bit, 
I, I wonder if when this happens, they don't whisper to each other, this is really weird. Jesus is talking to trees. He's either hallucinating or he's really, really, really hungry. Hmm. Verse 15. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. So Jesus goes back to the Jerusalem. He heads back to the temple. And then Jesus goes into action. And the activities that were going on in there, they were hindering the worship and they were hindering what God wanted to do within his house. Now what's interesting when I read this here in verse 15, remember back in verse 11 when I said, so he went in and looked around at all things. That's what he did the night before. He went in and he was checking things out. And he began to look and he saw all the junk within his house. And, and literally, you know what he's saying right here? What he, Don't prostitute my house. So Jesus isn't happy. Then he taught saying to them, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations but you have made it a den of thieves. He, he wouldn't let the materialistic things go uh, uh, unaddressed in the house of God. He deals with it. Verse, 17, or verse 20. Skip with me for time's sake. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. The morning, the next day. Somewhere around 24 hours later, the fig tree is dried up from the roots. Now just for a minute, we gotta pretend we're in the story. And we're walking with Jesus, and all of a sudden we look, and there's the fig tree that 24 hours before, he spoke directly to it, and there it is, dried up by the roots. Now, what would happen with me and you? Probably the same thing that happens with these guys. Verse 21, and Peter, and we should have known it would be Peter. And Peter, remembering, he said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Now, Peter's shocked. He's stunned. This, this is craziness to Peter. How could this happen even in, in 24 hours? So when he says this to Jesus, again, we hear the words that he said, but we don't get to see the expressions on Jesus' face. And so when Peter says this, I really wonder if Jesus doesn't just give him the look like, Dude, you've been with me for almost two, three years. You've seen me speak to the wind. You've seen, are, are you shocked by this? 
So Peter says all this, and when he says all this, look at Jesus' response in verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. The Passion Translation says, let the faith of God be in you. And so when he says, let the faith of God be in you, he doesn't pat them on the back and say, figure, figure that one out, fellas. He doesn't say, good luck with that. Actually, what Jesus does next is he uses this completely to a, a lesson in faith. Actually, I believe this is intro to faith. This is faith 101. And it's like Jesus is using this moment to tell them, this is how faith works, fellas. Verse 23. Got, you got to get this right here. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, whoever speaks to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, when we go back to Romans 10, 9 and 10, I'm to believe with my heart and confess with my mouth. Literally right here, he says, don't doubt. Don't doubt. But if you notice right there, he says, but believes those things he says. So it's interesting to me that he tells us, you got you to gotta speak to the mountain. What's the mountain? The obstacles in my life right now. now. I'd be willing to bet it's unanimous that we all have mountains in our life, and right every one of us have a mountain. Every one of us got something going on. Let me ask you something. What are you speaking to the mountains of your life right now? The key to this is I get to a place in my life where I start speaking the word of God. And when I begin to speak of the word of God, remember faith is acting like God is telling the truth. So none of this that I'm getting ready to say happens unless you're born again. You're a child of God. That's the entry level, right? You must be born again. Remember Jesus' words in John 3. And so if you're like me, you are broken, you were a sinner, that you were out of control. And so I, I literally, just like you, I acted on Romans 10, 9, and 10. I was a slave to sin. I just came like this. And you know, and many times people will say, well, I'll, I'll give my heart to Jesus. I'll start going to church once I get my life together. It's not going to happen, okay? You got to get born again. Everyone, it doesn't, it doesn't matter your mess ups. And so, remember, this is the starting point. Actually, another great reference on that is Ephesians 2.8. You're saved by grace through faith. So we see faith playing a part in there again. 
And so when you got born again, did all of life's hangups, did all your bondage, did they just disappear immediately? No, not with me. So I'm born again. I'm a child with God, of God, but I got some bondages. I got some hangups. I got some real issues. Man, I tried everything in my own power to get free from things. And then I, learn, I, I begin to be taught and learn. Begin to confess. What does confess mean? To agree. Begin to agree with the word of God on areas of your life. In other words, speak to that mountain right now. So I found scripture that I would stand on and I would stand on and I would stand on. And so I, I had some issues with alcohol. And one day in my study, and this is Colossians 1 verses 12 and 13, He's qualified me as a partaker of the inheritance in life. The way he qualified me wasn't by how good I was because I wasn't good. He qualified me because of what Jesus did. And then in verse 13, it says specifically, he delivered me from the power of darkness. It says he has delivered you from the power of darkness. He has delivered, has so I begin to realize, if he's done that for me, then why aren't I walking in that? And so you know what had to start happening? I start to have to believe in my heart and confess with my mouth the word of God. It's, it's not how brilliant you or me. It's just getting into agreement with the word of God. How did you get saved? You got, agree, you got into agreement with the word of God. And what did that agreement do? It brought you some security. So I start speaking this. Ooh, I, I thank you, Father God. You delivered me from the power of darkness. You delivered me from the power of darkness. Now, this was a hang-up in my life. I don't know if you've got darkness in your life right now. He delivered me from the power of darkness. I would literally say out of my mouth, I thank you, Lord Jesus. You've delivered me from the power of alcohol. We had it on mirrors. We had it on dashboards. Everywhere I looked, I had the word of God. I mean, I was speaking it. Didn't happen overnight, though. From the time me and Shelly got into agreement, pair of agreement, when two on earth will agree on any, I'm telling you, we got an agreement. From the time I began to speak that until I walked free from that was four years. Now, I'm not telling you that's what's going to happen. You may get set free immediately. But what I am telling you is this, stick with the word. Stay with the word. Keep speaking the word day by day by day by day by day. And you watch what will happen and what begins to take place. That when you speak the word of God out of your mouth, according to Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It didn't say who you had to hear. You can hear yourself. 
And so you say those things out of your mouth and before long, that word of God will begin to take root in your heart and something on the inside starts happening on the outside and people get set free. The word of God works. Well, pastor, I tried it for two days. Let me give you another illustration. My, my mom and dad are here. They, they can testify this. And if Shelly was in here. From, from a little bitty guy all the way into my early 20s. At night, I would sleepwalk. I mean, if, if you think marching around Jericho seven times and the walls would fall was strange. I, I could write a book on sleepwalking. I mean, outside sleepwalking. You could have deadbolts after deadbolts, and I'd get out of them. Go through windows, go down balconies in my sleep. I mean, just bizarre stuff. And you know, as a little guy, it's kind of humorous maybe. It wasn't humorous to me. But the older you get, the worse it is. And so, man, here I am in my 20s, now, one night, I don't realize I'm doing this, I'm out parading in the front yard. I don't want to make you sick, okay? But I'm outside in my whitey tidies. Now, Scar, you thinking that? Get that out of your mind, okay? Don't even... And I catch my foot on a sprinkler head. And I'm telling you, it it ripped the whole bottom off. And man, I wake up and I'm outside and I'm thinking, where am I? So I get back to the house and I go in and I'm telling you, I'm bleeding bad. And Shelly gets up and she looks and she looks at me and I was like, oh my gosh. And she said, you need stitches. And I said, we have no money for stitches. Let's band-aid that dude up. When that stuff started taking place like that, I started going to the scriptures. Do you know the Bible has a lot to say about your sleep? It does? Yeah, it does. Write these down. Proverbs 3.24. Psalms 127.2. Psalms chapter 4. Verse 8. If you work real hard, if you labor real hard, Ecclesiastes 5 verse 12 says that he gives great sleep to the, the man who labors. I can just show you scripture after scripture where he promises sweet and peaceful sleep. So you know what I started doing? I started praying the word of God. I started confessing the word of God. In other words, I started agreeing with the word of God. And before I'd crawl in bed, I'd say, I thank you, Father God. You promised me sweet and peaceful sleep. I welcome that in the name of Jesus. You start sleeping like a baby, Pastor? No. We kept speaking the word of God. We kept speaking the word of God. To this day, tonight, here in a couple hours, when I get ready to go to bed, you know what I'll say? Woo, Father God, I thank you. Give your servant sweet and peaceful sleep tonight. I, I worked hard today, Father God. You promised my labor, the labored man is sleeping sweet. And God begins to work. God begins, I don't begin to work. All I do is I get into agreement with the word of God.
Now, let me ask you something right now. Is there areas of your life you need God to move right now? I believe that's every one of us. So what you begin to do, you begin to hunt in the word of God for scriptures that pertain to your life. And you begin to speak to the mountain. And you continue to speak to the mountain. Get in agreement with the word of God. Get in agreement. You know, I'm talking on prayer and fasting here on Sunday mornings. But one of the best things you can do is get into agreement in prayer with with someone. I I, I believe the the greatest prayer agreement between a husband and a wife. And if you're single, I'm not... Nah, 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 nah. I'm not rubbing my nose at you, okay? That's why the devil, he goes after marriage. He doesn't want that to happen. But I, I believe if you'll get into agreement with people and begin to pray and say, this is what I'm believing God to. He said, when the two agree here on earth to touching anything, things begin to move. Things begin to happen. Get into prayer agreement. I, I know there's stuff you're believing God for right now. And it's all based on him and his work. Would you stand up here with me? I'm running out of breath. You know what I just spoke on? Faith 101. When I was at Bible school, every week, three times a week, the very first passage The Bible school I went to, the man who taught us, would say, turn to Mark 11, 23. Every every week. And I thought, he can't keep speaking on this every day. He did for a whole year. Who sure ever will say unto the mountain, be thou removed, me cast thee not down his heart, but believe those things he says. He'll have whatever he says. I mean, I heard it over and over and over and over. And before long, you know what I thought? I'm beginning to get this. What's the mountains of your life? What's the obstacles of your life? Just bow your head here. Close your eyes. It could be, it could be set free from bondage. It could be a job right now. It could be a home. It could be an empty womb. It could be a family member. The list is over and over. But it's like I sense God saying today, tell them. As they begin to confess, they begin to agree with me. Get a hold of the scriptures and begin to agree with the word of God. And God will begin to move. So Father God, right now, we ask you here the first Wednesday night. Grace us in this area. That is Romans 10, 9, and 10 and Ephesians 2, 8. They bring eternal security to our heart. Let the word of God in all the areas of our life bring your security that go with our agreement with your word. And Lord, we pray your blessings right now in Jesus' name. Everybody agreed, said? Amen, amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.